Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And in this episode today, I would like to talk to you about reverence toward God. As I think back, two very proud days in my life were the days when my children graduated from high school. Part of my daughter's graduation ceremony was particularly memorable to me because of the prayer that was led at it. The fellow praying began the prayer with these words, O Dad, because you truly are our Dad, and then continued to refer to God as Dad throughout. At the time, I thought it was inappropriate. I believe it conveyed a familiarity, a casualness, a lack of piety and reverence in the man's approach to God that was and still is inconsistent with what I understand the Bible to teach concerning man's position before God, how we are to approach him, how we are to view him. In Isaiah chapter 40, the utter foolishness of likening any other being or anything else to God is presented in the context of a strong rebuke against idolatry. But let's look at some of the words of the Holy Spirit used through Isaiah to convey the greatness, the immenseness of God. In verses 12 through 17, we read, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and marked off the heavens by the span, and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure, and weighed the mountains in a balance, and the hills in a pair of scales? Who has directed the Lord? or as his counselor has informed him? With whom did he consult, and who gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and informed him of the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust, Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. Skip on down in verses 21 through 25. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the vault of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them and they wither, and the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me that I should be his equal, says the Holy One. There is a tendency among men to view God almost as one of us. 
to speak to him as one of us, as casually as we would speak to each other. There is a tendency to approach him with an air of familiarity and to come before him to worship with less than the reverence and the godly fear that the scriptures most undoubtedly call for, and this attitude is growing and growing. The Bible speaks of reverence toward God, fear of God, and they are very similar. Reverence is defined as a feeling or attitude of deep respect tinged with awe, veneration. Also, the outward manifestation of this feeling, to pay reverence. The fear of God can be simply defined as a reverential awe toward God. Perhaps because there are no immediate repercussions, people have begun to feel pretty confident about approaching God or coming before God in a manner less respectful than we would approach heads of state. And by the way, those heads of state, all of them, are before God as a single drop of water sitting in the bottom of an otherwise empty five-gallon bucket, or as a speck of dust on the rim of that five-gallon bucket. God is not our buddy. He is God. And while the Bible speaks of Abraham as being the friend of God, we are wrong to think of that as the type of friendship we have with each other here on earth. There is not equality there. I think of the fantastic words of God to Job, beginning in Job 38, verse 2, and continuing through the conclusion of chapter 41. In those words, God asked Job a number of questions, all of which are meant to make Job realize the relationship between God and man. It is the same kind of thing that God expressed in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. He said in that passage, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God said to Job in Job 38, verses 3 and 4, Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. In verses 19 through 22, he asked, Where is the way to the dwelling of light? And darkness, where is its place that you may take it to its territory and that you may discern the paths to its home? You know, for you have been born then, and the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of the hail? On and on the questions go, and understand that it was not God's purpose to abuse Job, but to humble him and to make him understand where God is and where man is. I love what Job comes to know and say in chapter 42, verses 2 and 3. Job said, I know that thou canst do all things, and that no purpose of thine can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. I believe that we can all use this kind of humbling. When we start to talk about how we come before God, it is important that we remember who God is and who we are. There are a couple of additional passages that I would like to consider that I believe are pivotal in understanding what our approach to God should be, and by that I mean how God expects us to approach Him. The first is found in Exodus chapter 3. We all know the story of Moses, or most of us do. 
We know of his birth. We know of how he was set afloat in the river in an ark made of bulrushes by his mother. We know that he was found by Pharaoh's daughter and raised as her son with his own mother being employed as his nursemaid. At the age of 40, Moses left the luxury of the palace to visit his countrymen. Obviously, knowing that he was an Israelite, I believe, through the teaching of his mother. While there, he saw an Egyptian beating a fellow Hebrew and ended up killing that Egyptian and hiding his body in the sand. Moses believed that his own people, the Israelites, would recognize that God was using him to rescue them. However, that was not the case. The very next day, as Moses sought to intervene in a fight between two Israelites, the response he received in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 14 was, Who made you a prince or judge over us? Are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Moses left Egypt and went to Midian, where he would live for the next 40 years, learning the discipline of the desert. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3 and look at verses 1 through 5. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Note the warning. Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. What is God doing but calling upon Moses to exhibit the proper reverence? The removal of his sandals was simply a sign of submission and piety. We must never come to view God as one of us. We must never forget who he is and who we are. We must never fail to realize his majesty, his power, his purity, and his holiness. I think of Psalm 111 verses 9 and 10 where we are told, he has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. God told Moses, the place on which you are standing is holy ground. What made it holy? The presence of God in a very special way is what made it holy, and I believe that when we come together to worship God, in a very real sense, he is there. Now, I recognize that we are not under the Old Testament any longer, but I also recognize what Romans 15:4 teaches, as well as 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11, which says, Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages has come. In talking about our approach to God, the Bible speaks of godly fear, which is really a combination of love and fear, which, taken together, constitute the reverence and piety with which we should come before God. Now, I'm going to say something that may sound a little weird until I get a chance to explain it. 
In the Old Testament, the emphasis that we see among the people seems to be fear. In the New Testament, it seems to be loved. However, it is important to understand something. In the Old Testament, there was love in the fear toward God his people felt. And in the New Testament, there is fear and the love in the hearts of God's people toward him. Let me show you what I mean from God's word. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 18 and reading through verse 19, or 29 rather, which is the remainder of the chapter. The passage says, For you have not come to a mountain that may be touched, and to a blazing fire, and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind, and to the blast of a trumpet and the sounds of words, which sounds were such that those who heard begged that no further word should be spoken to them, for they could not bear the command, If even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those who did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less shall we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And this expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, in order that those things which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude, by which we may offer to God an acceptable servants with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. The comparison between the old and the new is pretty obvious here and the superiority of all things related to the New Testament is the point the Hebrew writer was making. He wrote of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai and the great manifestations of the power of God at that time, fire, darkness, blackness, tempest, and the mighty sound of the voice of God. He wrote of their fear at the time, but we, Christians, are come to the spiritual reality that those things looked forward to We now are part of the church of the living God. We draw nigh to God through Christ, our mediator, not Moses. And the blood that has cleansed us is the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. The same one whose voice shook the earth at Sinai now speaks to us from heaven today through his son Jesus in the revealed word. He will once again shake not only the earth, but the heavens also, and all those things will cease to be. And what will remain is the kingdom of his dear son, of which we are privileged to be a part. In view of these great truths, how then should we approach him with whom we have to do? With reverence and godly fear. To fail to do so is to fail to serve him acceptably. Let us always remember who we are worshiping. It is God. The God of the old law is the same God we serve today. He has not changed, and the reverence, humility, godly fear, and piety all together is how he is to be approached. That has not changed as well.
I hope these words will give you something to think about. Thanks for listening.